Welcome everybody from Screen Thoughts and what a what a year. It's the end of the year and Elizabeth and I are so excited to welcome back Tim who came last year. Tim, do you remember last year we did Little Women? Wow, that seems like so long ago. I know. It seems like a, oh an absolutely gosh. another life, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's amazing. Life was simpler then, but what we had the opportunity to do, and we hope we'll make it an annual event, is to be able to sort of review the year in film, series, and television, and just talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. But before we even get to what we liked, I don't know about you guys, but when I was looking through everything, there wasn't much that was launched last year because of COVID. So a lot of things were postponed I don't know. Did anybody else think there's not a lot of film here to add to the list of what they loved? Well, for me, there was still a lot, you know, not a lot of mainstream films, but there were many independent and foreign films to see. I belong to the Boston Society of Film Critics, and toward the end of the year, it's like cramming for a final, where... (laughs) You're seeing so many movies and everybody is suggesting, oh, you have to see this too. It's like, no, I don't want another good movie to see. (laughs) So, yeah, it was definitely different. You used to go into Boston to see those films. Don't you think it's different seeing everything on a television screen? Me, well, I definitely miss going to Boston, and I definitely miss that whole communal thing, and I definitely miss seeing the other critics. They're just so much, they're just great people. They love film, of course they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I think a lot of film is not made for a small screen. And I think if ever, you know, I kept thinking, you know, like the Elegy film, that what was that, Walder? Elegy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. On a big screen, I think it would have been a different experience, you know? So I think that this year certainly has that. Now, the one that got postponed that surprised me was Spielberg's West Side Story, which they're now saying is going to launch December 10th, 2021. I mean, that's a long time to wait for a film that's been in the can for six months already. Yeah. That makes sense to me, though, especially with it being a Spielberg production, because there's still a question on whether uh, where we're going to be at in the middle of the year next year. Totally agree. I think somebody like Spielberg is going to take any chances with a movie like that. I mean, the certain Mm -hmm. side story you got to imagine you want to see that on the big screen. Yeah. And I think after the debacle with Warner brothers and HBO universal is not taking any risks and not releasing any of their big films on a movie screen and they're not going to upset any of their filmmakers. Wait, what debacle? I fill our listeners in. So AT&T who now owns Warner brothers and HBO max and HBO made a decision to release all of their 2021 films simultaneously on streaming services and in theaters. And they did this without consulting with their filmmakers. And so what that does is it reaches straight into the pockets of their filmmakers and takes out their first dollar gross. So a lot of people are very unhappy. And this is the studio that built its reputation on making talent happy, right? Chris Nolan makes his movies there for a reason. 
Denis Villeneuve makes his movies there for a reason. And they kind of undid that with this one sweeping decision. And they said that it's just for 2021. I'm sure they're going to be hammered in the courts for this because it goes against a lot of contracts, but I'm sure they'll pull a force majeure clause out of their back pockets, but maybe they'll want to undo it. Who knows? But I've heard a lot of filmmakers are already going to other studios looking for Mm. that place that's going to guarantee them a big screen release because it it truly does really hamper their back end. But Um, don't you think they did it thinking everybody would do it and they wouldn't be alone and then nobody did? I don't know. I mean, this it's a big move yeah, and huge. they are trying really hard to make sure that HBO is a platform and HBO Max is a platform that people are going to continue paying for. It's the most expensive streamer. I don't know how well advised this was. I think maybe they thought if we do it, everybody will follow. And then, you know, Denzel Washington came out and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, I do think that they did it anticipating they had the clout and the power to sort of lead the pack in doing it. And then when nobody followed, it's sort of like they got caught with their pants down a bit. I don't know how you do that. If if Disney hasn't done it first, I don't know that anybody else gets to say we're the head of the pack. Disney's hmm. clearly controlling that conversation right now. Yeah. Maybe HBO's trying, but I don't know that they have. I mean, Disney owns so much of the market, so... I feel like they're the ones that have to come out and say that, which they kind of did. They said they're transferring so much of their investment over to Disney Plus, but that doesn't take away their big screen releases. Right. Well, which leads me to the last part before we get into everybody's choices for the best of 2020, which is can Regal Crown and places like that, can they survive? Those cinemas have been dark for nine months. You know, no one's going that I know. And I'd love to see a movie on the big screen, but I would never risk going right now, even with the popcorn. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't. Would you? I haven't been to a movie theater since all this began. Yeah. Um, Me neither. You know, and it's just, there was a lot of heated debate in the Boston society about that because some screeners, like for Tenet, the Christopher Nolan film, screeners were set up. Some people wanted to go. Some people said, oh, we should, there should be solidarity and we shouldn't go and no one should go. And it's a very tricky time, but it, I have a granddaughter. I'm not going to put her life at risk. Well, also it's indoors. Yeah. Uh, I have a client in my marketing company. We did a lot of outdoor cinema. Yeah. Yeah. All summer and setting it up, especially in the Hamptons and places like that, where oh, you could cool. really, build yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. So you could still see it on the big screen, but no, who wants to go into a building where they're recycling air in a yeah. musty place anyway, you know? Yeah. Some places are doing some cool things where you can like rent a theater for one movie, right? So you can pay a hundred dollars or so to watch a movie in an empty theater with, you know, your family. Is is it a hundred dollars? It's gotta be more than that. I think the base rate is a hundred dollars for being related. I'm sure it depends on where you are and what theater chain (laughs) it is, what have you, but you could do like a birthday present that way or something. And if I think it's, if it's a currently released film, it's like the base rate. And if it's a special film, you have to pay a little bit more, but you get the whole theater to yourself, which is a pretty cool idea. I did that once when we went to see Jurassic Park 3D. Accidentally, we didn't pay for the whole theater. We just were the only ones in the theater. (laughs) I mean, it's a great movie. By the way, you know, it's not as expensive as you think it is to run a theater. It's not. You can buy a- Well, especially now. Yeah. And 
if you pick a time that's an odd time or, you know, even before all this happened, yeah. I'd rented out theaters, you know, even on Cape Cod, I rented out the Regal yeah. Theater for bringing in 25 friends to watch a film. If it was 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, they were happy to give yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So back to your original question about fate of movie theaters, there was a really interesting medium piece, I think over the summer that came out that kind of predicted what might happen to some of these more independent theaters, not necessarily the AMCs of the world, because they probably will be able to withstand this. But some of the smaller chains, they repeal the Paramount Act. The Paramount Act was a long, long time ago that kind of restricted the monopoly that studios had on owning the theaters as well. So they couldn't own both the movies and the distribution. So they passed that so that it had to be broken up. And they repeal that so that Disney can own a movie complex and you can go in and see a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or a Disney film or a Pixar film or what have you. And maybe one of those theaters is a 4D ride-like you know, mm, kind of experience. And maybe Apple does that too. Maybe Amazon does that too. Maybe Netflix does that too, where you're going to different complexes where it's a little bit more theme park like, and it's more of an experience than just going to a multiplex to see a film. You're going, you know, there's going to be a Disney store. There's going to be characters. There's, it's, it's more of the like family friendly experience. It'll be interesting so, to see. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious. you can bet it will be more expensive than too. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it might depend also. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with those antitrust laws from the late 40s. Right. You know, where. Well, all right, but well, let's move on. We're going to move on now. To, you know, it's Tim and I little, are going to talk history all day. Well, you know, it's a, li- it's a little depressing, actually, when you think about, but also, you know, the, what both of you, you know, who are much more knowledgeable in the industry than I am, both of you are sort of saying is, we're not sure what's going to happen, you know. Well, historically, yeah. movies have always been under siege. I mean, you've got, first it was radio, then it was TV, then it was videos, VCRs, mm-hmm. then it was Home video. HBO, then Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, Blockbuster. So it's there's always been something that's threatened. The, the demise of movie theaters has been predicted again and again. This is mm-hmm. obviously a, a biggie. Mm-hmm. And certainly things won't be exactly the same. But I, my guess is that just like people are going to go to restaurants again, people are going to want that communal experience of going to the theater. Absolutely. I, don't know. I have spent no money this year. I don't know if I'm going back to restaurants. <laughs> I have no idea I could live on so little. And I've sort of gotten into cooking. And do you know baking? Apparently it's banana bread, just in case you were wondering. Nice. Everybody is home making banana bread. And I found myself making banana bread and I don't make banana bread. So, <laughs> you know, everybody had F leftover bananas. So, I mean, it's just a different time and place. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's kick it off. So Wilder, give us one of your choices. One of my top from 2020. Yeah. I'm going to start with I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole on HBO. If you haven't watched this. I have uh, not. It is, have you, Tim? It's a tough no. watch. Oh, it's on HBO. Michaela Cole is an English writer, director. She's got a brand and a personality that she built this off of. And she kind of became a little renowned after the show released because she held out for what she was asking for. And she got some really incredible offers, but none that quite gave her the control that she was looking for until HBO said, sure, we'll do it. What's the premise of the film? It's a television show. It's a limited series, oh. and 
the premise of the show is that she is an author who is on a tight deadline. She's got a, a pretty great brand that she's upholding until she undergoes one night where she can't entirely remember exactly what happened and her friend <laughs> convinces her to go to the police because there's been maybe a theft. Oh, is this the one where she, yeah, maybe she was raped or something? Maybe she was raped. And it's not until the second episode, it's an unbelievably beautifully acted scene where she's in the interrogation room. They're asking her about what happened and she's denying it because she can't believe that it actually happened to oh. her. And it, it's incredible when she finally recognizes that she's been a victim of rape. Um, oh, that's a great choice. What's it on again? It's on HBO. 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 I had a bunch of HBOers this year. I don't know. You know, this is my yeah. only HBOer, but okay. it's definitely worth a watch and it will stick with you. You will be thinking about it for a while. It's a half hour and it's beautifully done. I'm proud of her for holding out for what she was worth and it's absolutely worth a watch. Great. Tim, what do you got? Well, I didn't watch a lot of TV because I watch movies, you know, more. <laughs> There's such a blend now where like yeah. the Steve McQueen, everybody's arguing over whether his movies are not the old Steve McQueen, the filmmaker Steve McQueen, but he, um, <laughs> by the way, I thought you were talking about, they were bringing back Steve McQueen, you know, yeah. uh, you know which would be yeah. fine with me. Yeah. He's I thought been he was dead great. since 1980. All right. Yeah. Yes, yes. I know who you were talking about, Tim. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> but his series, uh, well, some people are calling it a series and some people are calling it independent film. So anyway, there's such a blend. And certainly in terms of quality, TV, I think, has equaled, if not surpassed, uh, movies. So, you know, it's certainly not a matter of looking down on TV anymore. It's just there's so much to watch that uh, I haven't seen. You know, it's yet. funny you say that because last year when you and I were talking, Tim, on our end of year last year, yeah. We talked about how this is the age of television, you know, the golden yeah. age of television. Yeah. And then COVID hits and it really was this opportune moment where that, you know, continued. So yeah. the number one movie on my list for the year is Collective. It's a documentary. And much like the fire in Rhode Island that I can't remember the name of the club, but where all these people died. Is that the nightclub you mean? You're talking about the nightclub in yeah, Rhode Island? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in Bucharest, a nightclub had a fire and, and 27 people were killed. But then a bunch of people died while recovering in hospitals. So a newspaper looks into it and they discover that the sterilization process that they're using lotion or whatever that it's supposed to be like 12 percent of something in it but it's been diluted to 1.2 percent so none of the equipment is being sterile so people are dying from infections all these people and it, well, this newspaper which is a sports newspaper uncovers this and so you've got that going on it's almost like spotlight except it's about the national health care system but it's not just all newspaper people doing great things. It's also about a, a new minister of health who comes in and tries to fix things. And all of this corruption is uncovered. But then there's politics and the populace. A lot of them don't believe what they're seeing right in front of them. Sound familiar? Oh, no, I can't. I have no idea. <laughs> so it, it's this amazing movie that gets you very angry. And just rings very true, but it's a great film. So that's now where can our listeners see it? 
You can watch it on Amazon Prime, I believe. Thanks, Elizabeth. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, she's very good on that. She's oh, thank you. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I highly recommend it. Highly. Yeah, you'll have to rent it on Amazon Prime, but you can see it there. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, thank definitely, you. definitely. When in doubt. <laughs> Amazon yeah. Prime has most things. Yeah. yeah. You just have well, to pay for it. But. When uh, Christine says, so where can you see that? I'll go, oh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, right. there you go. Or, or <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, or Apple is always true, too. If yeah. it's on Amazon Prime, I prefer... It's usually Apple, on Apple. Usually Apple on Apple TV, yeah. So anyway, we'll put, we'll put it in the written part. So I'm going to kick off with Unorthodox. That was on my list, too. It was? Oh, yes. you know... I looked through all of these things. Did you see it, Tim? No. Okay. Well, it's Shira Haas, who's an amazing actor. It's actually, it's a German-American miniseries that debuted on Netflix in March. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the first Netflix series to be primarily in Yiddish, which, you know, mm. is neither here nor there. And it's a but... very specific version of Yiddish. It's Hungarian Yiddish. Right. Which oh, is, I didn't know like, that, huh? Yeah, it's, there's a very small community of people who actually speak this version of Yiddish. Well, and probably it's because the story is about a woman who breaks out of a Hasidic group in Brooklyn and runs away, basically. And it's based on Deborah Feldman's, isn't it? Yeah, it's her and Anna Winger helped her adapt it, but it's based on her book, which I believe is mostly a true story, right? It is a true story. In case you want the book first, it's Unorthodox, The Scandalous Rejection of My Hasidic Roots. I thought it was one of the best. It's definitely not a documentary totally because, you know, it's done in a narrative form and it's based on a book that she wrote. Between the acting, between Shirahas and the storyline and the way every single nuance of this young woman who's breaking out of a culture that she grew up in and coming into a sort of a whole new world. You know, there's this one part that sort of made me choose it. And that is she's decided to go into the water and she doesn't go into the water without wearing all of her clothing because that's what you do and where she comes from. And as she's experiencing the water in this new way, it was just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think the cinematography is beautiful. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Is that why you picked it? I picked it because I couldn't stop thinking about it. I watched it in March and it, you know, I went back through, by the way, figuring out what was released this year was very difficult <laughs> because it's just been the longest decade of my life this year. <laughs> but Amit Rahav, who plays Yankee, her husband, really captured me. His performance, I thought, it was so beautiful and pure and True. he really came of age in this story and... It's so heartbreaking to watch his part of the story because he can't connect with her. He doesn't understand why she wants to leave. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful and so sad, but it's also so real. I thought he was really remarkable in it. Shara Haas is, is undeniably incredible, but I also thought that he brought another side to that story that we haven't really seen. I, I feel like we've kind of seen a little bit of kind of breaking away from your roots and, and getting out of that culture, whether it's orthodoxy or some other kind of version of repression, especially amongst women. 
and I thought he did a beautiful job of trying to understand her. Well, there, you know, it's funny because the other reason I loved it is there's a lot of love in this movie and it's mm-hmm. gone wrong, you know, between yeah. she and her grandmother, between she and him, between him mm-hmm. and his family is they're just in a rage. I mean, it, there's so, so many layers of communication and feelings, mm-hmm. you know. And this right. is also one I got to talk to my grandmother about. She spoke Yiddish. She was fluent in Yiddish. And was it Hungarian Yiddish? It was not Hungarian <laughs> Yiddish. So she, she could understand quite a bit of it, but she couldn't understand all of it. Yeah. Yiddish is always an amalgamation of different languages. So it's it's always based in Hebrew and kind of some Polish, some German, and in Hungary, obviously, it had its own. This is a a Hungarian descendant Orthodox community. So that's why their Yiddish is so specific. But she understood it. And getting to talk to her about learning Yiddish and growing up in her community with her parents who spoke a Russian dialect of Yiddish, uh, it was, I don't know, it was really powerful and beautiful for me. Great. So Tim, the two of us got to do one. So do you have another one you want to pick up in here? Let's see. Well, number two on my list. Number two, two, two. Two, two, two. Sound of Metal. It's about a heavy metal drummer who's losing his hearing. And no surprise there. (laughs) Well, yeah. But it's, it's, you really, the movie does a, a really good job of sort of getting inside his head. He's in a relationship with his bandmate slash girlfriend about how both of them react. I mean, the focus is mostly on him, but it also involves her and how both of them sort of evolved through this experience. And I just found it very powerful and, you know, heartbreaking in its way. It's about how people evolve. And it's also, by the way, Amazon Prime. You're right. Every time you say movie. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) <laughs> anybody I hear anybody? Riz Ahmed is amazing oh my gosh he's so yeah. good I haven't seen it yet but, but he's, he's so he's good pretty incredible definitely one of the best for me the two best performances by male actors would be Riz Ahmed Chadwick Boseman for mm-hmm. East Black Bottom wait what was Riz Ahmed in this. He's in Sound of Metal. He's the drummer. Okay. And the other and the other actor was in what? Chadwick Boseman was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I haven't watched it yet. I but didn't I see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard that was really good too. That's on Netflix, I believe. Mm-hmm. It is on Netflix. <laughs> well done, huh. Tim. <laughs> yeah, he probably wasn't going to mention it because who would mention Netflix? But you know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we're grateful that you did. So I'm going to check that out, actually. But right, but if you really hate heavy metal, and which I do, mm. I mean, it's not Barry Manilow. Let's let's get. It's it not. I mean, it, you know, there's a few scenes of him banging on a drum and in that, but it's really it's not okay. a music movie. It's more. It's really more about him entering a new world. And in terms of going somewhere, because he also has substance abuse problems that he's struggled with. And so will this lead to more substance abuse? You know, was his outlet for his rage and for these intense emotions? And, and he and his girlfriend have sort of saved each other through their relationship, but now he kind of has to go off on his own to figure out what he's going to do with this. And it's about their relationship, even though the focus is mostly on him, but there's, you mentioned that scene about going in the water with unorthodox, unorthodox, Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, there's a scene where 
toward the end, not to give anything away, but where they're lying in bed and having a realization and it's just so tender and, uh, and rings so true and says so much about relationships between people and it's very bittersweet. I'm going to definitely check it out. I'm grateful that you say that if you don't like heavy metal, it's not going to be a turn. Oh, yeah. You you definitely, definitely can still enjoy it. So, Wilder, what do you got? So, mine aren't in any order. So, I'm just kind of... Okay. (laughs) I think my next one is The Great, which is a limited series on Hulu. And it's starring Elle Fanning and Nick Holt. And it's written by Tony McNamara. He wrote The Favorite from last year, which was what goodness olivia coleman coleman thank you won her oscar for one of the best oscar acceptance speeches i've ever heard and any little girl who's who's practicing their speech on the telly you never know and when i i i used to work as a cleaner and i loved that job i did spend quite a lot of my time imagining this oh please wrap up right okay and um uh, thank you and my husband ed my best friend I love you so much. 25 years, you've been my best supporter, and he's going to cry. Um, I'm not. And um, uh, thank you so much. I do, uh, uh, Fox, everybody, everybody, the cast, the crew, Francis, <laughs> Sam, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Lady Gaga. Oh, But it's fantastic. It's about the early days of Catherine the Great's relationship with Peter in Russia. It's very satirical. It's dark comedy. And Nick Holt and Elle Fanning are both fantastic. Mm. You know, she's Uh, an underrated actor who I think chooses badly or something. I don't know what it is with her. I I mean, this this is great. And she's a producer on it as well. And... The production value is fantastic. It's very modern for being a period piece. It's very female, even though the team behind it is not. I think Tony has a a great history of writing fantastic female characters. And she certainly is one. She, She comes of age. She learns very quickly that she is an outsider in Russia and that Peter is dangerous both to her and to Russia. And it's a wild ride and it's so much fun oh, cool. and I am having a blast watching oh, it. Cool, so. Very cool. It's funny because the period pieces, I mean, the crown, you know, season four, everybody's talking about it. Then also Shonda Rhimes just came out with her new on Netflix. Remember she moved over to Netflix yeah. and the network wasn't giving her her due. And she just came out with Bridgerton, mm-hmm. which is getting very mixed. And I think if anything more negative than positive reviews, mm-hmm. But that's, again, period pieces seem to be all the rage, so to speak. You know, you know it's funny because working in Hollywood, everyone always says, you know, period's really hard. It's really, really hard. But like when you look at what people are actually watching, that's mostly what people are watching. The Great takes a, a really good tone to it, I think, which really modernizes it. Bridgerton as well does that. It's very much for an audience today. It's not, I think Bridgerton is, is a lot of fun. Julie Andrews is the voice behind it. And I think they do that very tongue in cheek. And the great is a very different kind of tone, but it'll take you on a ride, man. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Okay. I'm, you know, it's so funny. Documentaries this year, I have a bunch on my list. I won't even probably get to them all. Are, did anybody see I'll Be Gone in the Dark? 
Have you heard about it? No. Okay. Do you remember the Golden State Killer? Yes. Okay. You do? Oh, yeah. No, I. I you weren't I, even born yet when the Golden. I do you remember this? <sighs> okay. Uh, of, it became a big story with Patton Oswalt and his his wife was. Oh, right. yeah. oh yes, right. exactly. Okay, so this man. You know, he raped more than 50 women over a five-year period in a very small geo area. I don't know that you could do that anymore. He killed 15. So Michelle McNamara, who was married to... She becomes obsessed with it in the way that, you know, my daughter and I watch Silence of the Lambs every year. We can recite it, you know, it puts the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose again is how we crack each other up if we're mad. It's just, and here this woman, Michelle, goes so deep into it. She goes to the dark side. She ends up dying, actually, which shows right at the very beginning of the documentary. She dies before he's caught, but it's the trajectory. In the end, he was caught because of DNA. None of all this, you know, hundreds of people have been researching this guy for 40 years. He got away with this and he stopped doing it after his children were born. It's really, really well done. But the reason I think people should watch it is because Michelle McNamara gave up her life. She was a great writer and her husband puts forth a lot of her writing in the documentary, reads some of it. It's beautiful poetry. They have a small child. So there's this juxtaposition of this horrendous thing happening. And they interview a lot of the survivors and they number them. So it's attack number 10. And she's a 15 year old girl who was playing the piano in her house. I mean, just, you know, unbelievable. And then it juxtapositions that with McNamara's, writing ability and the way she goes into this and how this whole community of thousands of people are trying to find this guy for so long. And in the end, they sent DNA to someone and sort of put it all together. But it's really good. It's I'll be gone. It's six parts. I rushed through three and part of four because it's just a continuation of rapes and pillages that he did. You know, once you've seen five, you don't need to see another five more. But it's certainly worth the watch just to watch Michelle McNamara's sacrifice to be committed to something greater than herself. I saw the first episode of that and thought it was great. I just, it takes such an investment in time to see all these TV shows and to try to see all the movies. So that's, I haven't seen, I want to get back to that though, because it did seem great. Mm -hmm. I know it really was. Yeah. So I'll be gone in the dark and guess where you can see it. HBO. You so yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I know your taste. <laughs> I know, there you go. Okay, who's got another one? I got one. It's another movie, Promising Young Woman. <gasps> I can't wait to see this. It's so cannot good. wait. It is, I mean, it's Carrie Mulligan plays this very sardonic heroine who is taking revenge on something that happened in the past. It also is related to, and this doesn't give anything away, so sort of a rape situation. Mm-hmm. In, uh, a lot of rape this yeah, year, you guys. College hijinks. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, Wait, what's the name of it? Uh, leave uh, this out. Promising Young Woman. It, it opened on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only in theaters. Oh, it is? Right now. It's only in theaters. Yeah. Universal rolled the dice. They oh, don't know okay. when it's going to be coming to streaming, but it, yeah. it's universal and focused. So I'm yeah. sure you'll be able to watch it on Peacock if you subscribe to Peacock, but yeah. I don't know where else. Oh, it's so great. I mean, it's a very, it's funny. I mean, she's a, again, she's very. Mary Mulligan's great. <laughs> okay, but get this. The big criticism of her in this is, does anybody know? I read about it earlier. Oh, she's not good looking enough. 
She's what not pretty is- enough. Wait, if she's yes. not pretty enough, then I'm never going out again. No, I mean, I, I mean I, it's first of all, that's mind blowing. <laughs> it is in so many ways. In so many ways. First yeah. of all, not that it really matters, but I mean, she's right. Yeah, let's preface it by saying, "Who gives a shit?" Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. she's supposed. I get it though that she's supposed to be seductive. So, do, if, do people think that like Margaret uh, Hamilton are not Margot Robbie? Don't get raped. Like, right, right. Or it can't be seductive. Yeah. I mean, you know, right, I, I, you right. know, we all have seductive sides that have nothing right. to do with what the facial looks like. You but know? also, right, right. she's stunningly gorgeous, so everybody yeah. should shut up. Uh, exactly. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was my point is, what, are you blind? I mean, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. It's just creepy in so many ways. And my guess is that Variety reviewer must be a pretty young person. Yeah, that's who it was. I read it, yeah. Not to be ageist, but I'm... <laughs> It just seemed, although there have been, look, John Simon was horrible about writing about women and he was awful and he was a geezer. But uh, so. By the way, many men have been horrible about writing about yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But this movie is so, it's uncompromising too. I mean, it's very mm-hmm. disturbing, but Carrie Mulligan is so good in it. Oh mm-hmm. my God. By the way, as bad as I think, you know, Elle Fanning has been in choosing, I think Carrie Mulligan has never made a bad move. I don't think there's a film she's done that hasn't been exceptional in some way or other. Yeah, she's made a lot of great ones, that's for sure. Yeah, she she certainly has. I think she definitely chooses for the art over anything else because so many of her choices are definitely not blockbusters. She doesn't uh, do that. But good for her. Yeah, Yeah. she did. You know, over the last fifteen years, she hasn't done that. Mm -hmm. She's raising her child. She had other things on her plate. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Emerald Fennell, who's the director of yeah. Promising Young Woman, she did a couple of episodes of Euphoria on HBO. I think she oh, did yeah. a bit of Euphoria. She's, yeah. that, she's definitely someone I'm keeping an eye on. Um, Absolutely. And this is her there. feature film debut Yeah, as writer-director. But yeah, mm-hmm. Euphoria is a TV show I watched. Good for you. Oh, yay. Okay. <laughs> and I liked you- it. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't get through. I really liked it. It was, I had a tough time watching anything super dark this year. So yeah, I, it's on my list to finish. I got about three episodes in yeah. and I was like, this is really good. And when times are better, I will finish. Yeah. This. Oh, you think it's dark? <laughs> I think it's very dark. <laughs> Te- teens yeah. and overdosing, you know? As I recall, I've talked to Tim a number of times. He loves dark. I love dark too. I just, you know, when the world is as dark as it is, I like to find some joy in what I'm watching. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully next year. So anything else on your plate that you have, Wilder? Yeah, I've got two more. Both movies, actually. The first one is First Cow. That's my number four. Yeah, it's Kelly Reichard is notoriously independent-minded filmmaker she i think this is actually her first that's not a primarily female cast in fact there's like no women in this story except for the cow who <laughs> obviously is female but it's a wonderful story except for alia shakat who opens the film um, but is it slapstick i mean i saw no 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 no, no. This okay is you swear because it I sure looks like i don't want to watch this okay not even close. it's a drama it's a straight through and through character piece it's stunningly shot I mean, my goodness, so gorgeous. It is a slow burn. That's Kelly Reichardt through and through. I have loved so many of her films, so I knew what to expect when I was going in. This is 
kind of her first kind of away from what she's done before. This is a story on the frontier, I think in the 1800s. It stars John Magaro, Orion Lee, and Toby Jones. It's on the frontier. They get a cow in Oregon for the first time within this kind of community. And John Magaro is, he's a cook. His name in the movie is Cookie because he's escorted a group here being their cook. And his partner, Orion, discovers this trait about him and realizes that they can get rich in the frontier by making delicacies that those on the frontier don't normally get to have. But they need to have milk to make these delicacies that he bakes for people and there's only one cow in one town so there's only one place to get it from and it's a beautiful story about these two men their friendship how they help each other how they grow together I walked away from the movie smiling from ear to ear it's delightful it's a character story it's a little dark towards the end but otherwise I enjoyed every moment of it. It's a very slow burn and you got to be willing to go on that journey with them. But I don't think it'll disappoint you if you do. Yeah. And Tim has been sitting here nodding his head the whole time. It's it's poetry. It It really is. I know what you mean about like, if I see a really good movie, it could be heartbreaking, but I'm walking on air just because, you know, it's like, yes, this is film's potential. You know, it's sad though. It is sad. But it's it's also gorgeous. Yeah, it is. And it's so subtle. I mean, it says so much about ownership, notions of ownership of shared wealth. I mean, there's this political message, you know, underlying. And yet it's, we're going to say, what is it about? It's about friendship more than anything. And it's beautifully made. It is such a deliberately made movie. Mm Every moment. I probably like this one more than any of Kelly Reichardt's others. I love like mm-hmm. certain women and I love certain women. <laughs> yeah, that's a great film too. If you're tired, do not watch this movie. No. Because <laughs> it is just it's deliberate. But it's- I've been tired for nine months. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've been tired <laughs> for four years. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you can watch this one on Amazon Prime, of course. Uh- well, of course, if Tim picked it. Yeah, exactly. Huh. You know, it's funny, you know, titles, I always talk about titles matter to me. And I think I was prejudiced because of the title. And then when I saw this cow, they have a picture of a cow in a field with, and I thought, I don't get it. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe they ought to revisit that because I certainly was not compelled to watch it. I mean, you yeah. guys watched it for other reasons then. But well, I kept hearing, I kept hearing how great it was. Yeah. yeah. It That's was reason why I watched across it across the board yeah. for most, whatever film festivals actually got to happen this year. Well, and that's Kelly through and through though. She is an independent filmmaker. Yeah. By the way, a lot of film festivals happened. The Hamptons yeah. Film Festival happened. And by the way, Sundance reached out to me last week to sign up to get some of the films virtually. I don't know. I, I think film festivals are doing okay because not only that, People from all over the country, you know, could go to the Hamptons Film Festival and watch two films. And I happen to know some behind the scenes people there. They made a lot of money being able to sell it that way. So I think probably moving forward, yeah, film festivals might not be as, it used to be you had to go if you wanted to see the films. But it'll be interesting. I don't think it'll go back to that ever, so... There's definitely, it's one of those deals where some good comes from 
problems like this, situations yep. like this. I took part in the Woods Hole Film Festival and I interviewed a lot of the film. I saw that. I saw you and, were doing that. Yeah. And, you know, so many of these filmmakers wouldn't have been able to attend. Now they're able to and represent yep. their movies for all these different film festivals. Yep. And so in some ways, even and for people who are attending the film festivals, they're able to see so many more filmmakers and hear what mm -hmm. they say. So, but not only that, these emerging filmmakers don't have the money to go to all these festivals. Right. So this right. is their ability. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it'll never go back to what it was. It'll just evolve. But yeah. I also love going to festivals oh, and talking with people you're sitting next to and in line. And, you know, there's something, you know, I'm going, I've already, I'm going to the Hamptons Film Festival next year for sure. They better have it. Yeah. Which leads me, I mean, since we're talking about titles of films, uh, the reason I picked this film to watch on HBO, by the way, I might add, it's never, rarely, sometimes, always. Have you heard about it? Yeah. Sydney Flanagan, the young actress, she, uh, Boston Society, we, we have our awards and she was named Best Actress of the Year. I understand why. Yeah. It's, it, I can say it in one sentence. It's about a woman who can't get an abortion in Pennsylvania, so she goes to New York to get one. Yeah. And it's her experience with her cousin there. And it is phenomenal. Yeah. It is. And also, you know, and at one point they're asking her questions and, and she said, you know, the woman's like, you don't really want to talk about this. Could you just answer never, rarely, sometimes, or always? And it's such a moment, you know. Again, it's, I don't know. If the camera stays on the young actress throughout that questionnaire, and I would say it's the scene of the year. It's just mm. her reaction where you know how painful it is just answering what the simple question, but of course it's not simple at all. But I'm so glad the title of this movie is what it is because exactly, yeah. it's this amazing scene. And it, regardless, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's a very hot topic, but if you're pro-life or whatever side you are on the issue, I still think that people would get a lot out of it because it's her experience and it's a beautiful, oh my gosh, her performance. Yeah. And the young actress who plays. Wait, was this on your list? Oh yeah, that's not, uh, number, number seven, 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 seven. <laughs> <laughs> And another, boy, a great year for um, female directors. This was. I was just going to say, yep. You know, she was Eliza Hitman. She did Beach Rats, which I haven't seen, but. She understands the topic is all I can tell you. She definitely does. And as somebody who grew up in the 70s, I went to the University of Nebraska and there was no abortion. At that time, the only place you could get an abortion was New York. And so I was in a sorority and they would pass a football helmet around. And that meant you should take whatever money you had and put it in the helmet. And you never knew who it was, but it meant that somebody needed to go to New York wow. and they didn't have the money to go. Wow. And then whoever the girl was, they would fly through Chicago because Lincoln, Nebraska doesn't, didn't have direct. They would fly through Chicago. They'd land, they'd spend the night at the terminal and then they'd go in, get the abortion the next morning and then come back. I mean, it was a grueling thing and they went alone because you couldn't afford for other people you know and I had one friend who usually you didn't know who it was but I knew one person it was a time in the 70s where so this brought all that back to the just sheer torture women went through or young women especially emerging women I should say went through just to have the right to say no still go through 
It's an amazing, amazing movie. Definitely mm. to be seen. And you're right, because the times they are changing and there are lots of things being taken away around the abortion right issue. And so it's, it's, I think it's an important film. But you know what's also interesting is we're talking about all these female performances in all these movies. Mm-hmm. It, does anybody have a male performance that stood out this year? I couldn't think of anybody. Well, I had... I, well, you had one, yeah. Um, yeah I came up with uh, my top 10 performances. Okay. Uh, and the top four are actresses and eight of the top 10 are actresses. It really was. Uh, it, wow. So wait, just uh, what man, what man did you have in there? What did you have in there? Kate Winslet to me is the best actress, period. And really? I thought she was great in Ammonite. Hmm. Sydney Flanagan, number two, 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 two. And <laughs> for Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young hmm. Woman. And I'm going to butcher this name, but Vasilisa Paralegina for Beanpole. It's a Russian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really She's powerful. Russian, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay, what about Kate Blanchett in Mrs. America? That's a great performance. Great performance. Yeah, she's great in that. I mean, uh, they're all great in that. It's yeah. an unbelievable cast. Yeah, I, you know, the story was so off the real thing. There were so many problems mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, I didn't uh, make it through the whole series. Well, I did because it's from my, again, from my time. But, you know, Mrs. America you know, such an important storyline, but they got it wrong way too many times. And mm. I thought that was problematic, but you're right. Everybody in there was fabulous. So Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have anybody play Phyllis Shafley in a way that isn't going to make you pull out a knife and stab the television, <laughs> Kate's the one to do it. But I mean, I, I thought Sarah Paulson was mm. fantastic in it. We just saw uh, her in Run, too. Yeah. 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 Uzo Aduba, who plays Shirley Chisholm, is amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's incredible performances all around in that. Yeah, there, there really it, are. A, I'm not sure I loved the series, but the performances were great. Mm. Yeah, exactly. What about normal people? Does anybody have normal people? I haven't watched it yet. I hear it's great, but I haven't it watched is great. it yet. It's on Hulu, and I'm just going to give it an honorable mention. It's a love story. And it's dark. You'll, you know, Tim, you got to go there. You're going to like it. It's <laughs> you know, not, not a lot of happy talk in there, but really well done. Mm-hmm. And then also, did anybody watch that Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich? Okay. It's a documentary. There are a lot of documentaries to watch this year, but oh, geez, yeah. so horrendous what this man did and so yeah. well done, you know? So anyway, so I I'm, I'm one more. Okay. What is it? We said five, right? So my... Yeah. Probably my. She's very literal, Tim. So if you give her five, you said five. I know. I know. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But I just did seven in a in a hurry right there. Well, probably my favorite this year is Palm Springs, which is a movie oh. uh, on Hulu. It was the number one selling film out of Sundance this year, which may or may not have been a super spreader event. We're not sure, <laughs> but it's a blast. It's Andy Samberg. It's Kristen Milioti, J.K. Simmons. They all star. Max Barbacow and directed it. Andy C.R. wrote it. It's a fun twist on kind of the Groundhog's Day theme, you know, getting stuck in a time loop, which was a weird predictor for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> this, this released at, at Sundance and came out o- over the summer on Hulu. But yeah, it was, it's a blast. You will have so much fun watching this. It is so fast, yet also arcs out all of its characters. Yeah, You will laugh all the way through it, but it also takes the time to address the depth and their fears. J- 
J.K. Simmons, I'm sure he did only a couple of days on this, is he just takes your breath away. He will yeah. keep you laughing the whole time. Yeah. Can I just say this is the only happy movie anybody... Um, this is the first time we're hearing Upbeat in this entire oh, yeah. podcast. You should watch it if you want something light and fun. I do. Um, I, I love that you're coming well up with and it. Well yeah. acted. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't think I loved Andy Samberg. And then I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I was like, wow, you... You know who you are and you embrace it and you are endearing and fun and charming and hysterical. And Kristen Milioti, who is probably best known as the mother from How I Met Your Mother, she's fantastic. It's truly, oddly, her story. You know, the movie really starts when she gets pulled into this. And I just loved every minute of it. It's stylized. It's very quickly paced. So you've got to keep up with the movie but you'll have a blast watching it. No multitasking there, right? No, you will miss a lot if if you're looking at your phone while you're watching this movie. And I agree with everything Elizabeth said. I thought it was such a nice surprise. Andy Samberg, I think really, this showed me kind of, you know, a a different side of him. I mean, he plays sort of a a knucklehead. Yeah. And and here he's a little more, I don't know. I mean, it's very funny, but he's kind of, at the same time. It's just, yeah. I didn't know he had it in him. And Kristen Milioti, yeah, she is, like you said, it's her story. And she, she's the one that shines the most, I think, mm-hmm. in this. Simmons is hilarious too, but yeah. she's so good. I mean, she, she's somebody to watch because I think she could be like the rom-com superstar. Yeah. You know, she's just so good. She's so smart and she's yeah. so much fun to watch. Yeah. I think, you know, she she got her start on Broadway, I believe. Um, oh. She's a stage actress and she's a beautiful singer. But this really shows she's got some snark in her. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And she's definitely, they're all really flawed characters. And I think that's a, a big part of the charm of this because, you know, they're stuck in this one day. So... Right. What are you going to do? And they really have a lot of fun with that. But they also shine a light on what that will reveal about people and what that means. And Well, it also kind of makes you think about, and a lot of movies did this this year, I think, but sort of an alternative reality where Mm -hmm. we would assume that you you would want to get out of that. But maybe that's not such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Same day over and over. What if it's the best day of your life? Yeah. You know, maybe you would want to re- just stay there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And maybe it's nice and safe where you are. Yeah. Right. And right. You don't know what's next. There was, by the way, there, there wasn't a rom-com to be had last year, this past year. Well, this year. is technically, I guess it can fall into a rom-com category. Okay. We also, there's a ton of rom-coms. They're all on Netflix. They're all young adult. Yeah, they're not. Rom-coms really fell by the wayside when we stopped making middle tier movies, right? Like Mm. the movie market really changed once we went international and rom-coms, we realized local communities were doing it with their own humor and writers and stars and they were doing it better than Hollywood was. And people were more interested in their local stories than they Mm. were in Hollywood's version of mm. a romantic story. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that on streaming, right? You're seeing, you're already seeing it. Yeah. And especially the Indian community, the is- Israeli community is really prolific. 
I, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more international stories available to you. I think that's, I hope that's true. I, you know, it certainly will, will help. But the other thing is sad news. Nancy Myers says she's not going to make any more films. She said she stopped having fun making them. Wow. And I love, you know, for me, she was like sort of the side of rom-com where, mm-hmm. you know, there's usually some sort of romance in it. It's complicated, you know, holiday at the same time, she knew the sarcastic, cynical side of love that really worked for me. But, and she said, it's just too hard and no longer fun. Hmm. Uh, that was, yeah. Well, sad. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Unfortunately. Did you guys see, speaking of alternative realities, I'm thinking of ending things, the Charlie Kaufman movie. I haven't no. seen it yet, but I, I hear very interesting things out of it. <laughs> It's just, it's such a mind-blowing movie. You've got to see it, even if you're going to hate it. And you really should see it twice. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of those... Wait, where is it? Can we see it? I think... It's Netflix. Netflix, yep. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the name? Just uh, I'm thinking, not... I'm thinking of ending things. It's Charlie Kaufman. He directed it also. Yeah. What an yeah, incredible cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jessie Buckley is... Boy, she's... Yeah. So I think going to be one of the greats. Yeah, it's just... It's another thing that just you see it and you, you, unless, boy, unless you're really quick, I think you're asking yourself, what the hell is going on here? What? Sounds like a Charlie Kaufman movie. (laughs) I think of everything you've, you know, you guys have both put stuff that I have not seen. I'm going to, I think I'll watch that first. Uh, This one, just do not watch it if you're tired, though. You got to be on top. I told you I've been tired for nine months. I'm not sure that's going to be an optional out, but we'll try. (laughs) Lots of coffee. Yeah. Uh, That's what keeps me up till six every morning. (laughs) You know, I got an email from him. I didn't tell you this, Liz. I get an email from him saying, well, yeah, the afternoon's probably better because I don't go to bed till 6 a.m. And I thought, oh, my God. (laughs) I didn't go to bed till 6. I, I watched the Boston Morning News on the wrong end of things. So I'm like, I'm starting to get sleepy. <laughs> and it's five o'clock in the Boston. You know what? Because you can. The reason we're all, you know, I get up at 1 a.m. I go back to bed at four I yeah. every night, you know. And I, by the way, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm great from one to four. I get a ton done. I do a lot of writing. It's great. Is but that why I you text me so late? I'm yeah, always usually. wondering why you're up then. <laughs> yeah, but I've been to bed for four or five hours already. Good to but, know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because you can. The reason we're doing it is because we can, yeah. you know. Yeah. But let's hope. Can we just all raise our glasses now as we end this? Thank you both. We just got a full hour in. Tons of stuff. But let's just raise our glasses to 2021 just in general. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, God help us all, you know, seriously. Yeah. May it be a good year for film. And also there's some good stuff to watch from this past year. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's some really exciting stuff coming out in 2021 as well. So I'm looking forward to getting my vaccination shot probably last. I took that New York Times, where are you in the line? And I'm like five from the end. And I'm wondering who is behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, looking forward to getting back into a movie theater sometime soon. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Happy New Year to to you both. Yeah, you too. To you. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye.